Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. Uh, RN Jesus is smacking me around the face. I'm thinking I might need to pray to Lucifer for the hero's journey to get those last two events. Uh-oh. I don't know. Would that be RN Lucifer, I guess? <laughs> random random well, acts of not fun. Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, it's so random. It, it doesn't work so much in this case, but Lucifer is the whole oh, pun there. There it is. You found it. You you left it dangling, and I missed it. And I'm uh, I've been playing it ESO, found a guild on there, and one of my guildies in there told me of that one. I thought it was cute. That is pretty cute. That's good. We're going to have to use that. Um, you know, before we get into the show proper, I wanted to give everyone an, uh, everyone a, an update. And we will we will go over it in more detail at the end of the show when we do our extra life spiel. But uh, we had some uh, conversations with fans uh, of the Gamers In, sort of our I guess sister podcast that we do uh, on. I mean, we're all on the way, same website, GamersInPodcast.com. And uh, in regards to our Tokyo Mirage Sessions Game Club goal, which was two hundred dollars raised uh, to uh, from Summoner's Call. And uh, I am happy to report that we are nearly halfway to our goal for Tokyo Mirage Sessions as a game club. We are at $90 of $200 raised. And if you've been holding out and uh, not holding out, but uh, waiting to donate, now's a great time. We've got some donations in. No votes yet for the standard game club. This was strictly just, you know, hey, I'd like to hear you guys talk about Tokyo Mirage Sessions. So I just want to throw this towards that. And uh, yeah, $90 towards our $200 goal. So it's looking likely to the point where, and we might have some special stuff planned as sort of a teaser for everyone to understand of of what Tokyo Mirage Sessions could be like on the show. And if you're a listener since the beginning, you might, um, I think the game launched in our second year of the the podcast. Uh, I could be wrong on that, Eddie, but I'm pretty sure you talked about it a little bit uh, in our Outrealm Gate. Yep, I did. Did talk a little bit in our own gate because I did pick it up right away and played it, but you know, uh, you did not pick it up, which is part of the reason why we put the goal because you have to put an upfront cost before you can play it. Yeah. So, but we talked pretty. I've had a lot of conversations with folks, including Eddie, and I. And I think uh, I think we're at the point where I am going to invest in Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and I have faith that our listeners will uh, get us to that goal because we're we're already halfway there and uh like i said just donate at bit.ly slash extra life ryan and when you donate um you can put the the name of the game you want us to play for game club in there and uh or just mention summoner's call and we can we can talk about it later uh but yeah like uh we're almost there and all of your donations go directly to children's miracle network hospitals so we really do appreciate the uh the the assistance and the, and the fundraising we really do um but let's get into the show we'll talk more about that stuff later uh we've got a bunch of banners so much that we took some time to actually update this it was i think i added five banners um so i'm going to go through these uh we have the weekly revival banner 40 running uh in the moment special heroes revival going until the 2nd of december so just a couple more days heroes with bonfire also going to the second Ninja Training going to the 4th, New Heroes and Ascended Legurn going to the 6th, Sound Tactics 1 and 2 going into the 6th, that's the Voting Gauntlet, Paula and Catria's Battle going into the 7th, 
Legendary Itri and Mythic Thor going to the 13th. Those are the heroes we're going to be discussing today. And double special heroes going until the 20th. Eddie, did you have any luck on any of these banners, including our topic banners this week? Uh, before I dip into that, um, I do want to remind everyone that we report the last full day for North America. So most of these banners will end the uh, following morning of the date we gave at 2 a.m. So uh, just a reminder of that. It's once again relevant because daylight savings has shifted and we're now getting different dates on the calendar than our actual date. So just a reminder. So if you, you know are thinking, oh, I really want to summon on that in the moment banner and it's the second, you have until 2 a.m. on the third if you're in Eastern time zone like we are here in America. So yeah, just a quick reminder of that. But I did dip into the Atri Thor banner since uh, we delayed a day and started off with a Dorcas boost. Uh, so I got four star boosted Dorcas, followed shortly by a Dogger pretty ra- Pity Break. A uh, few more single orb rings later, got another Dorcas, and then eventually the Crazy-Eyed Kid popped up. I mean, Atri popped up. All a couple of rings later by Thor, so I did manage to get both of them. Nice. That's not too shabby. Yeah. Uh, I I don't have a lot of orbs uh, heading into this. I think I had about 50. Most of them went towards uh, Ascended Legion and finishing out that uh, banner. I did spark that banner. I ended up getting... I picked Volk based on our conversations last episode. I felt like I I could have gone with another Ascended Legion or go with the, um, the follow-up or the runner-up hero and the banner that seemed like a good get. So I did pick up Volk, and uh, no luck yet on the Legendary Mythic banner, as I stated. I think I got one four-star upgrade of Murr, which was a repeat for me. Um, okay. But uh, no E-Tree or Thor yet, and I'm sure we're going to discuss the fact that those two heroes are a shared color, which is always fun. Yeah. but I uh, mean, with a Legendary banner, a shared color isn't as bad, but the issue is that they're shared green, which... I think they did this last year with Triandra and um, I keep forgetting her name, Freyr, yeah. uh, where I think both of them were green as well. But it's just like, it's the hardest one because there were a number of rings where I had no greens on it at all. Yeah. And like I mentioned, there were a number of rings where I had a single green, you know? Yeah. Green's a tough one. So, I find green's always yeah. the toughest to focus on, but... I, I, that could just be like your your mindset in the, in yeah, the moment. With the, with the legendary mythic banner, sharing a color is not as bad as it is on a normal banner because there's uh, 12, op, 12 possible pity breaks or 10 possible pity breaks. So, in fact, I could almost argue that sharing a color on a legendary mythic banner is might be better because you only have to focus on one color instead of worrying about two. But... Yeah, out of normal banner, sharing a color is far worse. Yeah. Far more painful. Yeah, 100% uh, agree on that. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, due to the confusion of the, how the calendar works for half the year, thanks, thanks to Daylight Savings Time, uh, we had the banner release off by a day and delayed uh, day for this week uh, so we could fully cover that banner. Um, as we are expecting a Fade channel to announce book six this week, uh, that will probably be the focus of next episode with a short preview of the new heroes coming with it. Uh, but before that, uh, we don't have a specific date for that Fade channel or if they're going to actually do one because they could decide not to. 
Uh, but we what we do have is the Sound Tactics Floating Gauntlet launching tomorrow on the 1st of December, followed a day later by a new round of Coliseum and Ordeals quests on the 2nd of December. The third brings us a new skills banner. Uh, and then the calendar goes quiet for the rest of the week with the new Heroes banner. Uh, that should have the Book 6 protagonist launching the day after we, re- we record next week. So we'll get a bit of an overlook over what, what's coming there. Uh, but we should expect the trailer for it by next Sunday, if not during the Faye channel. So Sweet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Faye channel. I feel like uh, the start of a new book is always really exciting. So when we had the calendar weirdness <laughs> that was totally my fault i it caught me off guard and i'm like wait a minute this is too perfect what's going on um daylight yeah. savings always messes with things uh i did forget to write down exactly what it is but that skills banner is for ardent sacrifice nice so. uh i think that uh you know going forward we'll obviously correct ourselves for daylight savings and then we'll look forward to this again in the spring when we we have it happen again but you know i think taking two weeks to discuss you know book six first being details second being impressions i think that's a really great way to do it because it gives us a lot of time with the content as opposed to uh today where we really only had um six hours depending on when you woke up and started summoning i suppose but also um discussing book six they may announce some new feature or something else they're adding to the game so yeah gives us time to go over that uh without having to worry about uh six additional uh units to cover so Mm -hmm. uh speaking of covering units uh we got a new resplendent hero coming noe will be uh the next one the eternal youth uh and she will be dressed in garments from muspel uh well we also got uh in terms of uh news we got the book five ending movie uh the past couple of years we've kind of got something like this outside of a sometimes we get a cutscene, other times we get like a monologue so this was the monologue version i think the past few have mostly just been cutscenes replaying what we do in that last battle more yeah or less. so this one's more this like is... um it's a yeah. it's a it's a conversation with not really a con- it's a one-sided conversation with Ichiru who is not a fan of the summoner and, and basically calls us out for um being just as evil as as she is. I mean the idea being that she's summoning, we're summoning, what's the difference? I think the biggest difference is that her weapon is summoning like broken characters, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's I we talked about the story last last she, episode. She almost sort of has a valid point in the fact that we don't ask the people we summon if they want to be summoned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And the game doesn't really explain how the summon works in their original world, whether they're like teleported out at that one second, then teleport back right where they vanished from or whatever. Uh, but like the big difference is how we treat the summon people and, you know, they willingly help us, you know. Yeah, I think that's the weirdness about all the heroes we summon is that they're always cool with it. Even if they are the most evilest of evil people from their world, they kind of yeah, come around. It, get, it gets weird when you get the evil people, but the you know heroes, the characters you more or less play as in most of the games, it makes sense, you know? Yeah. So I, I mean, it is what it is. I think that uh, it's an interesting way to sort of cap out Itri and give her more time to kind of explain her motives. Um, she like, it's kind of like literally described as before I go forever, here are my five minute, here's my five minute monologue on what I think about you and everything. So it's, uh, 
Yeah. Oh, no, I think my favorite part is the fact that she's laughing maniacally that she won, even though we killed her, because mm-hmm. she got what she wanted. She wanted a, a, you know, actual descendant of the original hero uh, or original founder of Nidavellir on the throne again, and that's what she got. Yeah, she did. But, she did get, technically, I guess she got what she wanted, except for the fact that she wanted to keep living, so <laughs> um, there is that. Uh, let's look at the legendary and mythic banner, which is running right now. And the reason I say legendary and mythic hero banner is that we got an early hint. Something was up with this banner when the upcoming bonus heroes had a box covering two of the heroes instead of just one. And like last year, when we got the Triandra, uh, and Freya joined banner, we have another double banner this month. Only this time it is a legendary and mythic combo instead of two mythics. Itri gets demoted and is the first villain since Surtur to no uh, to not be equal with the protagonist of their book as a legendary unit, and Thor makes her debut as an obtainable unit as a mythic on the banner. Joining them on the banner we have uh, for red we have the mythic Plumeria, legendary Sigurd and Muspel. On the blue we have legendary Dimitri, Fell Dimitri, and mythic Knot. On green, we have Mythic Dogger, or Dagger. Uh, still should look into that. Uh, colorless, we have Mythic Bramamond, Legendary Corin, and Legendary Micaiah. So uh, those are your... That's your Legendary Banner if you're summoning. Yep. Um, and uh, the first one we have is Mythic Thor. As the boss of the last Tempest Trial, we had an idea that Thor might be... On her way, but unlike Niffle and Muspel, Thor gets to maintain her mythic status and is on the banner this month as a green axe flying unit. She wields war god Molnir axe as her, uh, or for, blah, 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 the war god Molnir axe, which boosts her special cooldown and is effective against armored units. At the start of combat, if she has a quarter health or more, she gets plus six to attack and debuffs her foe by negative six to attack during combat and makes a guaranteed follow-up attack. If she is not adjacent to an ally, she neutralizes her foe's bonuses during combat. Her mythic skill is called Worldbreaker and gives her and her allies within two spaces a cooldown boost of one per attack, Uh, non-stacking, highest boost only as usual. Uh, She also comes with another new skill called Flowguard, which if uh, she initiates the attack, it neutralizes effects that prevent her follow-up attack, and inflicts her foe with a cooldown debuff of one, uh, a special cooldown debuff of one per attack during combat. Uh, she finishes off her kit with bonfire and tier four attack defense push. So, Thor is built all around specials and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting when you look at mythic. Thor being added to the game. She's obviously been a character that's been, I believe, around for, correct me if I'm wrong, a couple years? Uh, I believe we first saw her at the end of book three. Right, I do remember that. Where she was chatting with um, Leaf and Thrasir. Yeah. So she's been around for a while. Um, I don't... Now, now, I'm, now I'm heading down memory lane. Have we gotten a normal Loki... Or was it just the brave Loki that we got? Now I'm like, I don't um, think we did. I think the only Loki we have is uh, because of the brave banner. Yeah. So this is uh, so we have Mythic Thor. Um, 
And again, like looking at where she fits into the story, do we feel as though her being added as a mythic hero means she's going to play a bigger part in book six? Because really, in this story, like book five, she really hasn't had a lot of screen time. There's been a there's been more Loki, I think, than Thor. Um, possibly. It also might be a case of they've been teasing her so long that they felt they needed to bring her in finally. Uh, because like I said, we she introduced they introduced her at the end of um book three, and uh she's been a persistent fit feature to a degree in that the um uh recurring event uh that Mjolnir strike or whatever that she does she runs more or less mm-hmm. technically even though I don't know if we actually see her every time because I I'll admit I haven't played that in months years I don't play it very often but you know so she kind of has been popping up on and off throughout the past couple of years it could indicate that our next uh book is going to be focused on Alphador and Thorn Loki or they could hold it off a bit longer. Who knows? And they just felt that she finally deserved to appear. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the other hero we have on the banner, which is the legendary Itri, uh, the crazy young girl who turned out to be an ancient sorceress and the true villain of Book 5, makes her debut in this banner as well. But instead of being a mythic hero, she's only a legendary one and is a green tome flyer. Itri wields Grim Broker, grants attack plus 3, Enables Canto 2 during turns 1 through 4. If a unit initiates combat or is not adjacent to an ally, inflicts attack slash resistance minus 6 on foe during combat, and unit makes a guaranteed follow-up attack. She has a new skill in the B-slot called Divine (laughs) Recreation. Recreation. At start of combat, if foe's HP is greater than or equal to 50%, inflicts attack slash speed slash defense slash resistance minus 4 on foe during combat. Reduces damage from foe's first attack during combat by 30%, and boosts unit's next attack by total damage reduced by any source, including other skills. Resets at end of combat. Rounding under kit is Dragon Fang as a special attack slash resistance solo 4 in the A slot and attack slash resistance reign 3 in the C slot. So yeah, that B slot skill is her legendary skill. Is it? Okay. That's good. I'm, I haven't double checked, uh, but I'm willing to bet it cannot be inherited. Uh, but you know, the fact that she has no other new skills makes me fairly certain that's going to that's her legendary skill. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think Itri being a book five character and kind of like being introduced as at first being the wise sage that they needed to consult, and then um, down the road turns out to be more and more evil until eventually she be, she is revealed to be the big bad um you look at her artwork and her special artwork where she is she's like got the gun and it is just it is a her her face is just pure madness as she is like preparing this giant summoning fake summoning tool fireball and it is i gotta say it's quite amazing uh they really nail that sort of maniacal character look with her and uh and fits alongside like the idea that she has or Itri has existed for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And uh, she is just she is all kinds of mad. And uh, yeah, I don't I, I just I think they nailed the, the character art on that one. Yeah, they did. Yeah. 
<laughs> Definitely fits. I mean, you had a good look at that uh, facial expression during the video. It's weird seeing it in 3D, is it not? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I I think it's um I think this is a really great banner offering these two heroes. I think Ichri being offered as like here's the big bad. That's sort of like a closing argument for the book but i i really do think thor i mean you're absolutely right i think thor being on here is is a maybe not a message of what's to come but like she's been overdue to be added as a as a hero because she has been so present in the game for the last couple years and i think the loki side her being a brave hero i'd almost say at this point you could probably just count it as like well no that's the loki and and she's in the game they might like yeah. have an excuse to come revisit her or whatever, but the fact that her title is the trickster, it's most likely that's going to be her main one. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but uh, she does also have a spring version. But that's true. You know, the fact that they entitle brave this or brave that or you know fancy like they do with the other brave units, it's most likely that's going to be pretty much her primary version. Yeah, if that makes sense. So, I think that makes sense. Yeah, but um, as usual, the heroes on this banner will be back. Uh, the legendary mythic, of course, all the others are in the regular pool, but they will be back in future legendary or mythic banners. And we have their currently planned return dates. As this banner and often others prove, these dates are subject to the whims of IS and could change. Uh, January, we have Itri returning. February, we have not Corn, Dimitri, Plumeria, and Sothis, who was moved from January into February. In March, we have Sigurd and Selica. Selica was moved from April over to March. In April, we have Thor and Micaiah. In May, we have Dogger and Bremamon. Good stuff. Well, if you're looking forward to uh, 2022 and the legendary and mythic heroes that they have uh, coming back, there you go. Um, but let's not delay. Let's head into the Outrealm Gate because we do want to spend some time talking a little bit about uh, Fire Emblem Warriors and what we have planned for December and moving into 2022. But let's start with uh, Fire Emblem Warriors. Let's take a look at the story. Well, before we do that, I do want to quickly mention something is that uh, with Metroid Dread and Age of Calamity and Pokemon, I... <laughs> Delayed till the last minute to get in and do my Fire Emblem Warrior stuff for this month, and I honestly can't say why, but I bounce off pretty hard. I mean, usually once I actually get in, I enjoy it, have fun, but I booted it up. I walked, watched through the story of Chapter Six, and was on the pick your heroes, pick your units screen, and just couldn't convince myself to hit play. I know so. why. I I know my hands up. I know why. Because this game like a lot of the uh Warriors games is it's a different pace and um you're it's kind of a combination of there's always something to do yet you the the track to get to completing something can take quite a lot of time and it, it can be monotonous. So if you're jumping from like Metroid or Pokemon or or what have you into this game, that's a huge jump from something that is like instant feedback to kind of a slow pace and um all right i'll admit i was at home playing eso most of the weekend and when i went to go in it's just like can't convince myself to start but that's also a different pace so but, but yeah i i really do feel like this game uh and we to our credit we've our 
or a defense. We've already played it. So again, like a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, I feel it can be a mixture of what we've played now and what we remember from, from years ago. But I think like on that note, it's worth, it's worth stating like revisiting this game. Um, I've really had to train myself to be like, no, you know, I focused more on the characters and less on the, on the story, less on the chapters. Like I didn't do it as homework. Mm -hmm. I did it as where's the fun. And the fun for me was basically saying, okay, I'm only going to play as fate's characters and Celica and really dig in there. And then whatever I end up, and then I would like try to like focus in on like the fate specific stuff, like some of the story chapters, the history maps, the DLC, that sort of thing. And that but, might be part of it because, you know, the fun for me is Lissa. I mean, no matter who I play, I always find myself going back to Lissa. And because of the impediments they put in, if I really want to get her best weapon, it's extra complicated and frustrating and requires extremely high levels characters to power through or like you know point perfect runs of maps you know in order to get the s ranks you need to unlock her best upgrade for her weapons so i think the frustrating work i'd have to do to get lissa ideally you know ideally and ready to play is also kind of annoying me in that you know it's like this is the character I really prefer playing, but you put so many, uh, you know, stumbling blocks in the way pretty much because she's part of, you know, the IP you chose to do last on the DLC. You yeah, I, I think like on that note there. So it's uh, an anecdote I have from playing was I'm like, I've been diving into the history maps. I, I did one of the DLC ones for Fates and it was... Uh, the the reward was some blessing. I I have there's so much grinding in the game that I have not gotten to the point of I don't think I've maybe I've unlocked Lin's weapon, but even then I don't think I have. But I think it was Azura's Blessed Lance scroll, and I'm like, oh cool, I finally got this after like for the past couple of weeks leveling up. Um, the map was specific to tomes and stones, so I mm-hmm. had to like level up all my casters, which I don't really enjoy. I don't have enough. It was just. It was the exact amount like you had to use all of the all of the tome and stones characters in the game and they yeah. were all, none of, not all of them were at a level where they could they could uh, successfully be on the map and I struggled with it and I finally beat it and uh, I had fun but I finally beat it and then I got the scroll and I'm like okay what do I do with this and then I realized I have to grind even further to get the mats to unlock some of the stuff for Azura so that I can finally get to the point where I can use that scroll to upgrade her weapon. Um, so there is, it's it's less, it, it can be described as roadblocks, but it can also be described as the progression system they've chosen. And it's very convoluted. And if you mm-hmm. have a favorite character, that's where the roadblocks come up because it's like, oh, in order to unlock Lissa's better axe, you have to have done all this other stuff and paid attention to characters you might not have liked. You know, you might not have liked the stone characters, right? Yes and no. Um, like, the issue that I'm encountering is that, you know, like you said, there's so many things you have to collect to do all this stuff that you have to grind forever. But if you focus on a single character, you can unlock most, if not all, of their skills. Not too bad in just grinding through, because a lot of the stuff drops for them, you know, drops. 
A lot of them are generic drops that drop off of things. Once in a while, there's a drop you need to get from defeating specific heroes. And, of course, that's randomized. Sometimes you get the silver version, sometimes you get the gold. So that can be frustrating in re-killing, refighting this hero multiple times. But, you know, if you focus on a single character, you can unlock most of their skills and all their weapon skills other than upgrading their unique weapon. And then, oh, to get the scroll for that unique weapon, you need to do a map that uses a bunch of characters you haven't messed with at all or leveled up at all. Yeah. So you have to spend time grinding up their skills and levels and stuff or spending coins to level them, but you still have to grind the mats for their skills. (laughs) It's just a reoccurring thing. and. If you really like the game and you really like the systems and all the characters, and again, like I have had fun jumping between characters uh, in the Fates roster, even even on some of the 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 type the the character types like the casters. I'm not a huge fan of the casters. I'm I'm not. A, I just they don't really. Not all of them feel as good as others. Uh, I think Robin's really good. Um, I, I, I do like, uh, what was he? I think Tharja that they added as a DLC, she's well-crafted, but like a lot of the cavalry ones aren't as fun. You feel like almost too mobile, but then your weapon can't keep up with it. But, um, yeah, yeah. that, that's one of the issues I found with cavalry units and to a degree flyer units is that, you know, you're, you're far more mobile, but that comes at essentially for car terms, it comes at cornering issues, you know? You can run really fast, but when you're trying to fight a group of enemies, it's hard to turn left to hit that group that's coming at you from the side. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot so. to be said. I mean, let's let's jump into the story, and again, I'll apologize. Like, this, this story's kind of, like, the story in the game, a lot of the chapters, uh, especially this one, this is very much like a mirrored so, section. Yeah, th- this section is two different paths. It's split up. You d- go- can go them at the same time. And you're doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. In the first chapter of the three, you meet, I'm guessing you meet Elise in um, uh, the Norian side. You meet Sakura in the Hoshidan side. You save them. And then Hinoka and Camilla come and threaten and attack you for attacking Sakura or Elise, mm-hmm. which you weren't. You try to tell them that. They don't <laughs> listen. You fight them. You defeat them. After you convince them that you're right, Takumi and Leo show up and attack you for attacking their sisters, which you're not. You try to explain it. They don't listen. You fight them. I believe with Ryoma and Xander, you just go and help them out because you convince the other siblings that you're on their side. But yeah, yeah, there is a that is essentially the plot. I don't know if I, I mean I can read what I wrote, but um, that that is pretty much it. It's pretty basic. I mean, I'll run through this. Like we pick back up where our heroes are starting to meet the Fates characters. At this stage of the game, our heroes split up, as you said, with Rowan going one way and Lee, Liana going another. On the Rowan side, we start out rescuing Sakura, so you're on the Norian side, or the, the Hoshidan side, uh, only to be caught in that classic Fire Emblem situation of being mistaken for the enemy as Hinoka battles with us. This is the trope that they bring into this game, I think, in the Awakening side as well. We, we talked about it um, last month. Well, with Frederick, it was more of, I'm going to test you to make sure you're worthy of working with them or whatever. Test you to make sure you're trustworthy. Right. So he knows you're not an enemy, but he's going to fight you just to make sure or to know your true intentions, because in battle is how you figure out someone's true intentions. 
So it wasn't a misunderstanding, but... Yeah, and, and that works to his character, right? Because that yep. is Frederick to a T. But then, like, if you're if you're using that logic to kind of, like, look at the Fates characters, you're basically... You're basically... I mean, that was Fates, right? It was conflict. These two sides that just cannot even begin to uh, to trust each other. And that comes into a play a bit more when you're at the end, but it also it does also fit with their characters to a degree, you know? Uh, Hinoka is overly protective because of what happened to Corrin, and Camilla is overly doting, so she's going to automatically assume you're trying to, you know, take away her loving child or loving sibling, you know, or her sibling who she overly loves. Yeah. Uh, Leo and Takum here are just sour grapes who want to fight anything that moves. <laughs> and so they see you with their siblings. They're going to uh, automatically assume the worst. And you don't fight Ryoma and Xander because their characters are such that, you know, they wouldn't automatically assume the worst of you if you were to bump into them like this. Exactly. So it does fit to their characters. Oh, of course. Of course. And I mean, all that being said, it, it kind of culminates in this moment where you have all the characters together. You you do come across uh, Ryoma and Xander who are blaming each other for the disappearance of Corrin. Like, well, you made Corrin disappear. You made Corrin disappear. And you do kind of have to do... I didn't do the map, but based on the descriptions, it's uh, it's kind of like a like a balanced map where you have to like slowly take oh, out both I sides. I remember. Yeah. I remember this when I first did it, I was like trying to rush to one side and mm-hmm. then going to rush up. And it's like, Oh, the uh, other side won because it, it was too weak on that side. Now. Yeah. The side so you were working on. And the final so. chapter basically, which I did play through uh, to kind of get a sense of how this arc ends is essentially, uh, your your character you are fighting Ryoma, Xander, and Corin. They are somehow uh, I think they've been sort of corrupted. I, I missed that part, but they they are fighting you. And Iago is present, um, and you're basically trying to get progress far enough to to take out Iago. And uh, while this is going on, Ryoma, Xander, and Corin are on the map, but they're boosted in a way where you you. I wasn't able to kill them, so I just basically ignored them. And as they're taking bases, I just go get get the bases again. And Mm -hmm. essentially the idea is like to basically get to a point where Iago uh, retreats. That causes Ryoma and Xander and Corrin to lose... um, that they have no longer are being controlled. their senses. Yeah, so they join your forces. So then it becomes like sort of a push-pull of like making sure they stay alive while you take out Iago and... It it basically all ends with the Fates characters all working together. You know, you get this shot where everyone's happy and working together. Uh, Ryoma and Xanar put their swords away. It looks like they're going to fight, but they're like, no, we will fight another day. We have a common enemy. And uh, pretty tropey, but th- it is what it is. And uh, that's when the Gleam Stones, because that's the whole point of this game, right? You're trying to collect the Gleam Stones for the Shield of Flames, not yep. the Fire Emblem. And uh, those three stones go into the shield, and you have to find one more, which, of course, is going to be in the Shadow Dragon realm, likely from Marth. Yep. I will admit, this one was kind of interesting in that, you know, it's both Ryoma and Xander and Corrin, all three of them, who give a gleamstone, as opposed to Robin giving a gleamstone with Krom or something, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they just kind of they needed to get three stones out of this arc, <laughs> and... They felt like it was the easiest way. But essentially, one of the, you know, 
Avatar units gives a gleam some, the other doesn't. They easily could have done Robin instead of Corrin, because you're getting two from Ryoma and Xander. Right. I guess because Corrin is technically a lord of their game, and Robin is just a wandering tactician, you know, they put Corrin slightly higher or something, but yeah. Interesting they chose Corrin over Robin, essentially. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, looking at the characters uh, from the Fates games, I I didn't do the math on this, but obviously it's a huge roster. It feels like they they can literally pull from both sides of uh, Conquest and Birthright, so... And if I recall correctly, once again, you get a preview of one of the DLC characters, because Niall shows up with Leo, I believe. Yeah. Yes. He was one of the DLC units. Or no, it might have been Oboro. It could have been both Oboro and Niles, actually. Might have been. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. That's another uh, thing Azura, we talked about. Azura was the unique or the special bonus one. Yeah, she was brand new. So the characters that are uh, from Fates in the game playable are Sakura, Hinoka, Takumi, Elise, Camilla, Leo, Ryoma, Xander, Corrin, both male and female. I believe that's a toggle... Um, yeah, just like Robin, it's a toggle. You pick which gender you want your corn to be, or yeah, your corn to be, just like you can with your Robin. Yeah, as like a costume. Exactly. And then on the DLC pack that was added for Fates, they did add Azura, which we talked about as being a unique character, brand new. Uh, Oboro and Niles, which are um, present in the game during the story, I believe, but are yeah. now playable. Just like Owain was present. Um, can't remember who the. Th- I keep for Tharja. I can't remember if she popped up or not. I don't. Or if Awakening had two new characters. But. Yeah. Well, n- new. I'm pretty sure Nur- Aburo and Niles are clones and Azura is unique. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. Aburo is. Uh, you know what? Is there another Lance character in the game now that I think, like an infantry Lance character? No. She might be unique in the fact that she's the only infantry Lance like. Uh, this is the only infantry axe unit, so... I think that might be the case, but Niles is definitely a clone of Takumi, um, being an archer. You mean a clone of Sakura? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, well... Okay. Sakura is an archer as well, so... Yeah, that's true. I've And I've never unlocked Anna, so I don't know, maybe also a clone of Anna, who knows? Um, that's a whole other conversation, uh, but... Uh, we also are going to talk, we, we can touch on Celica as well as being sort of the odd character out here. There's three characters that don't really fit within our, the way we've, we've structured this, but I got to say of all the characters, it's also because they didn't really fit in the game because they randomly decided to add, you know, characters from games they're ignoring. Yeah. Because of their popularity, I'm sure. But well, Celica, I think was added because uh uh echoes was coming out shortly after this right yep or maybe had and just this come is, out and Celica is the design from echoes you know that everyone recognizes not the design from gaiden that is pixely and hard to tell <laughs> yeah um i'll say this out of all these characters and of all the i did i think i i had a chance to play as all these characters in sort of my playtime over the last month but my favorite by far was Celica. She is a lot of fun. She's a mixture of sword and magic. Uh, she's got a very fast kit and she just, she's awesome. She's great. I have no complaints for her kit. She feels unique, which is good. Um, I know we talked about Azura being unique as well, but I feel like uh, she's also interesting and she's more of a, she plays the support character really well. Whereas if you use your X button, 
she mm-hmm. can kind of like boost other characters and give you a uh, support boost as well. So that oh, works okay. out. It's really fun. Um, but all the other characters, uh, you know, you have your flyers. So Hanoka and Camilla, they play very similarly. Although I love. I think Camilla might be a fairly unique one, too, because she might be the only flying axe unit. She is unique in that sense. Axe, I think all the axe units are kind of unique because there's only one of each. Yeah. Well, Minerva was added as DLC that we'll talk about next month. And, and she is certainly pulled from Camilla, but... Uh, but Camilla, as a uh, as a as a hero unit in this in this uh, game, I really loved. Like, very satisfying to like fly up in the air and then hit that um, that X button, and you just come slamming down on the ground and just take out all your foes. It's so satisfying. So she's she is fun, um, but like the cavalry units, I'm not big on the cavalry units. And we've talked about how they just they don't really they're very fast. But like they, they don't feel as nimble as the flying heroes. I yeah, think. which kind of makes sense, you know. It, it does. Yeah, cavalry units—they took into account the fact that they're on a horse and a horse is facing a certain way, so it's not going to be super easy to make it turn, you know, ninety degrees in a second. When you're flying, it's a bit easier, you yeah. know, not perfect. And when you're running, it's a lot easier because your control of your movement speed, yeah, better. Yeah, so. but I mean, and Corrin's fun too. She or he is, are, is very unique in terms of their dragon powers. Yep, because of their dragon powers and how their character is designed. Because, yeah, some of their special swings and stuff will be using their dragon abilities. So, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, from a character standpoint, I think it's it's a, hu- it's a large offering from Fates. But I think for me, like, it's just there's only a few standouts. Um, I think like when you look at the DLC, it's always been worth purchasing because it does add much more content to the game. Just looking at the, mm-hmm. the history maps, adding three new history maps, all based on the Fates games. And, and if you played those games, you really do feel that inspiration there. So they really capture that. But uh, it goes back to our complaints about progression and, and uh, roadblocks yeah. where that is present in just the progression of like experiencing the story of the history maps where like Mm -hmm. you'll have a bunch of like easy characters, easy, easy battles to take care of. And then like the one battle that's blocking the progression of the map is like this very, like specifically, I think I did grief and it was, uh, you're playing as Azura and the, the roadblock was like, uh, I think I said tomes and stones only. So I had to do a lot of grinding to get my characters. I think it was like level 48. So like not impossible, Mm -hmm. but like still not, Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's one map that I don't remember which one it was that I tried a couple times, and it's like, I can't get enough kills to get an S rank. You kill as many people as you can in a time limit. I'm using a, I'm using Lissa, super overpowered, smashing through, and I still don't get enough kills for S rank because there's not enough enemies on the thing, especially in the time limit you're giving me. Yeah. So there's frustration in some of these history map maps. Yeah. You know? Um. I mean, anything else to, I mean, we did, we did do a lot of front, front conversation before we talked story. Anything else to note on these Fates chapters or characters or? Not much. I mean, what I recall, they were pretty fun. 
Well, I mean, uh, when we return to Fire Emblem Warriors for more special discussions, we'll be uh, probably sometime in December. We haven't nailed down an exact week with the holidays going on, so we'll yep. have something confirmed for next week. It's either going to be sometime in December or early, early January, like week one or January exactly. Or two, so. so we'll be focusing on Shadow Dragon characters and Lynn. Uh, she is the odd character out this time around, and that is chapters 14 to the end game. So there is a chapter, I think, 22, and then there's an end game chapter, which I think is just a big boss. But it's like a... I think so. It's a big boss. Um, yep. It's it's like, I'm not joking. It's huge. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that in December or early January. And as noted at the top of the show, we do have an Extra Life um, sort of incentive uh, we are going to be doing our game club voting, $10 per game vote, and you can stack. As a special bonus, if Summoner's Call listeners raise $200, we will also do a game club of Tokyo Mirage Sessions. And uh, we're at $90. So we're at $90 towards our $200 goal. So if you want us to play Tokyo Mirage Sessions, um, we can you can you do- we will play, and you can donate at bit.ly slash Ryan. Um, and Eddie and I will plan uh, a special preview for Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I think we can, we can, um, we can look at that as sort of an incentive. Maybe give everybody a preview of of what we might be able to do when we hit that goal. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll certainly have more details. But like I said, all of the donations go to Children's Miracle Network hospitals. A hundred percent of those donations. So it's a great cause. And if you've ever want us to touch more on. Tokyo Mirage Sessions, this is a good opportunity for that. So, uh, Eddie, I know I stole your thunder there. Uh, anything else to add on Extra Life? Maybe uh, going over some of the the, uh, the the game voting that we uh, that we usually do? When you're picking out a game to choose, uh, we do need easy legal access to the game. Uh, so Japanese only and GameCube Wii versions are off the table. Uh, due to the Wii U, stuff like Blazing Blade is accept- acceptable. Uh, if you choose three houses as your pick for what you want us to play next, um, make sure you state your preferred path. And a reminder, uh, if we do do another round of three houses, it will be part two only. We'll be starting with the split because uh, we already did part one. We might do a week covering the first half of the game and what, if any, special choices we made during that playthrough. Uh, and, of course, no repeats. Um, you can... Look back or look through the notes to see what we have already played. Um, and since all our current uh, votes are towards Tokyo Mirage Sessions, you can get in, and uh, if we don't reach that goal, you might even be able to pick the next game right off the back. Yeah. Uh, but if we do reach that 200 goal and Tokyo Mirage Sessions is the top one, that will be the first one we play next year. Yeah. It's looking that way, so we really appreciate all the support. Go to bit.ly slash ryan. You can donate there, and uh, for our listeners, you can donate in American or Canadian funds, and uh, we really appreciate uh, all the support over the years as we do our Extra Life campaign. But that is going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com slash faye. Email the show, faye at gamersinpodcast.com. Check out the Fire Emblem channel and the Gamers in Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at rmurphy, Eddie at Drelfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers in for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforce.net or go to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week and happy summoning. Mm-hmm.